welcome everybody to our show, Grizzly Paranormal True Crime, starring Jeanette Lucas and Grizzly. Welcome everybody. Tonight we have something in store we're going to be discussing about missing people. Jeanette, are you there? I'm here. Go ahead and introduce yourself. We're getting hey, a lot of feedback there. there. There what? We're getting a lot of feedback. Oh, we are? Yeah. I hear whistling. There, there what? Oh, God. <clears throat> can you hear it? I can hear it. I'm sorry, folks. Yeah, there's a lot of feedback. Oh, God. <clears throat> can you hear it? Like they want to hear that. Let me see if I can uh, move. There you go. It stopped. Okay. I'm going to move to another spot. All right. Hey, everyone. Yeah, introduce this yourself is... to everybody. Sure. Hey, everyone. This is Jeanette Matasha Lucas. Some of you know me by the name of Jeanette Matasha uh, from the Washington, D.C., Virginia, Maryland area. And I started out young as a psychic. And I may have read some of you that are listening to this. My specialty was just readings, but I did do some true crime work. Uh, unfortunately, the Michelle Door case, which was a tragedy, and other missing person cases. And we're going to address that tonight, discussing the A through Z rules of engagement with working on uh, a missing person case with families, cops, and the procedures you should follow, and what we did follow and what we didn't follow, and failure helps you learn quickly. Take it that away. Is the truth. That is absolutely truth. And a little bit of background on myself. I'm Grizzly, and uh, I do the paranormal investigation and investigative reporter, also prior law enforcement. And uh, we are going to talk about uh, true crimes with Jeanette Lucas. He's world renowned, famous psychic, worked with uh, many missing person cases. Uh, Code cases, murder cases. Am I correct on that? Yes, you are. So, and what's really weird though is, is many people go missing every year uh, with the U.S. reporting the highest number, according to the NCIC, 521,705 people were reported missing in 2021. Wow. Wow. Although this number is the lowest number of missing persons recorded recorded in the U.S. history, it's pretty substantial compared to other countries worldwide. Isn't that something? So we're we're higher compared to other countries. Want to just clarify that? Uh, yes. That's rough. A large percentage of missing persons includes children who have gone missing through kidnapping. According to Child Find of America, 2,300 children are reported missing every day in the U.S. Here's a detailed overview of missing person statistics by country. I won't list every of them. According to the National Missing and Unidentified Persons database, which is funded by the U.S. Department of Justice, more than 600,000 people go missing annually. 
approximately 4,400 unidentified bodies are recovered each year nationwide. There are roughly 6.5 missing persons for every 100,000 people. Isn't that something? That's really high. It, it concerns you. Yeah, it concerns you. Absolutely. And we're, we're only breaking ground on just a general idea of what's going on. And this is only what we know about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look at, there's a case going on right now in North Carolina. A little girl disappeared after she got off the bus. She got off the bus. Their camera's proving that. She got home. And I guess she disappeared. And her parents never said a word, never reported her missing. Um, I, that I don't understand. I think it was near the Charlotte area. <clears throat> the mom went to the school after two weeks and said, my daughter's missing. I don't know where she is. Um, her husband is considerably older than her. Um, I don't know if he's foreign, but I believe both have been arrested on suspicious situation. Um, and, you know, what do you, what do you do with that as a cop? Do you have an input on that? What would you do? Well, that's, that's the problem. Even with the technology of the day that we have, uh, with the DNA and forensic science, mm -hmm. um, you know, we can talk about paranormal activity and, you know, let alone look at all the serial killers that are still on the loose that we do not know about that's not been found out or tracked down or even known from the local law enforcement level at this time. Correct. Correct. And, and some are state to state and some... What they do is jig jog and go, oh, for example, let's say they're in Virginia and they decide I'll go to Texas next or I'll go to Florida next because they want to get out of the cold out of Virginia and they want to go to the heat in Texas or Florida and say, okay, it's summertime, I'll go to Colorado. So I'm skipping around and nobody can catch me, but they're unaware of the new DNA. Well, that is correct. And then you look down the South with the alligators and so forth and how easy is it to dispose of a body these days, you know? Uh, look at that one case. Uh, I can't remember who it was or if I saw it on TV or, or news broadcast a while back ago where a gentleman dismembered a female body uh, all the way from New York down to the south on, on the way so he wouldn't be found out. So, I mean, what does that tell you? Oh, yeah. No, I think I heard about that. I think he was also uh, convinced to discuss the other cases he completed. Um, yes. And I think he was called the torso killer. Yes, and that is correct. I believe he was trying to have an affair with his nanny. She probably turned him away or rejected him. And that was it. He decided, okay, you know, I'm going to get you whatever I want, I, any way I want. So unfortunately, we don't know all the bad details that happened at the time, but we do know that she was in pieces. They, I think they estimated that he was probably linked to up to 400 plus people, really? but they only can convict him on 34 people. <clears throat> they thought there was a whole lot more to his story. Yeah. So, and that, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's, it, it's wild what you can and cannot prove, so. Yep, I agree. You know, they had a pedophile ring way back when, I guess it was in the 60s and 70s, and they would ride around in an ice cream truck, or they would ride around, they'd pick different trucks, they'd rent them, 
All right. <clears throat> one was a dry cleaner truck, a variety of trucks. So they didn't exactly, they, they were a driver for the day or a driver for the week. And they would hunt down and predator, you know, be a predator for, let me think which kid I liked the best. And for some reason in their head, they thought this kid, boy or girl liked them and gave them attention. Just because you say hi or you're polite to them, they think, oh, that's my victim. And um, they had over four, yeah, 400 children missing from New England. Um, but when I say New England, we're talking New York, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts. They suspect some of them did go to Colorado. <clears throat> and one of them worked, there was a foursome. They know at least a, four, a group of four guys. I believe only one is still alive. Um, one of the guys worked at a hospital and he said he threw some of the bodies into the hospital incinerator when he worked there. Now, can you imagine you vet these people? You have no idea what you're up to. They're up to. But can you imagine they're working for you and you go downstairs and uh, let's call him Smithy is <laughs> down there. And you're like, what is, what is that smell? And he goes, oh, nothing, nothing. It was bad chicken from the cafeteria. And the guy no, decides to poke his nose in there and says, no, it's not. Then you're going to have an all-out fight. I mean, these guys are sometimes because they're mentally, I don't want to say deranged or psychopaths, they're going to have a fight with you. you, you it, very awkward. So, so but, but it is. They all, and they, and they it's all, amazing how people can get away with stuff. Yeah, they all got caught. But unfortunately, some are an open book. Some are not an open book. Um, some of them were really enjoying the meetings with the reporters and some of them would say i'm not going to meet with anybody unless it's a female reporter i mean <laughs> okay guy <laughs> yeah women want to really risk that but one of them one of the killers did come out and open his mind and and pour out i don't want to say his heart but his situation to a reporter and she periodically got got some important information off of him some of the kids, again, are still missing. <clears throat> the The good news is that, again, the DNA, as we address it, is so good that um, there's a company, two or three, they were just on Nancy Grace last night <clears throat> discussing the homicide of the Idaho college students. And one of the, the, the lady who was involved with the DNA uh, genealogy um, was the one who who worked on the case uh, to to link um, the suspect back to his parents' house yeah. from the trash, and the link was to his father. So I think a lot more remains are going to be found, and I think a lot more people are going to be identified. Um, for example, I got a call from a reporter, <clears throat> and we discussed a woman that had been found, and I believe. It, it, it was not from the torso. She was not killed by the torso killer. It was another guy who confessed to killing her. They didn't, he just said he found her. She was very attractive and he decided he was going to basically kill her after he raped her. And guess what? She was a nanny from, from England. So nobody, nobody reported oh, wow. her missing. <laughs> yeah. And it had been, it's, it's been years. I mean, I'm going to say 30 years, 30, 40 years. And so the reporter called and said, guess what? They just found out who she was. And she had read Auburn hair and they linked her to um, ancestry.com or 23andMe.com. 
And I tell everybody, go do it. Get your name in there. You don't know if a cousin is a bad guy. You don't know if an uncle is a bad guy. I mean, you hope they aren't, but, you know, do you have any bad guys on your side of the family? <laughs> no, all mine are uh, in law enforcement, so. <laughs> are they really? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I think, uh, now, I had a relative that got caught taking a baseball bat when he was 15 to mailboxes, and he got caught stupidly. But, uh, yeah, that, that was dumb. But, again, he was a teenager, and that was the only thing we had going on in our family. We're sort of quiet, uh, do our job, get in, get out. Um, hello, how are you? Support the right people, our soldiers and our cops. Um, but, yeah, no, our life is very uh, quiet. Um, I'll just say this. My husband goes, what if I did something that I don't remember because I was drunk? I said, you'd remember kill, killing somebody or blood all over the place. <clears throat> and I said, I, I mean, I got drunk. I said, typically would pass out or, you know, when I was younger, like really young in my 20s. I said, but uh, I never woke up to a bunch of friends that were murdered. That's for sure. Right. <clears throat> I did. Right. I did have uh, a couple of cases happen around me. Um, I had a roommate who was in the Marine Corps and she went to a late uh, late night class and she went to the bathroom and a guy followed her in there and raped her and I had to be pretty much interrogated by the Marine Corps uh, what kind of girl she was and they were trying to discredit her on um, the fact that he raped her because she was loose and I thought what discrediting the victim that 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 was years ago now we're talking over 40 years ago <clears throat> And now we don't do that. Now we don't attack the victim. We, you know, interview them. They use different terminologies, not interrogated. But back then when I was the roommate, you know, they would ask me questions. How many guys did she have over? Because she was divorced. And I said, I think one, maybe two max. So, of course, she fit in the, the category of, you know, inappropriate actions. <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, my God. You know, you're you're a, you're a victim. You go to college and you go to the bathroom. Some guy follows you, beats you up, and rapes you. Oh yeah, you're the bad guy. So the good news is that is turned around a little bit. I, I would only say though, 75% of the time. The other times, people wonder if people lead people on, killers on, or uh, suspects on. Um, I I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of uh, definition of. And you could, you could say something here, you know, if you've got a girl who's raped, what's the definition? If she's a prostitute and she's raped, did she egg him on? No, wrong place, wrong time. Is that correct? Well, I mean, they can go in so many different ways. You know, she can claim rape because she didn't get paid or so many different rabbit holes you can go down through. Uh, Tim Wilt uh, left a message on here and he said, uh, I lived in a haunted house as an infant with my mom and 11 months old sister. My mom was put in a trance as she woke up at the top of the stairs, wondering why she was there. And a lady asked for help. I was in my crib and I was lifted out of body in the imprint of the house and that she needed help to be found. And I carried this. And I called 
the local missing persons department and they called my mom to verify. They told me a parking lot was built over the house that was tore down. I don't think she'll ever be found now. Paranormal activity of missing persons woman found from Yakimo, Washington. And mm-hmm. hello, Mr. Glenn Jackson. Welcome to the show this evening. So, yeah, I believe in stuff like that. Absolutely. <clears throat> we it, absolutely this stuff happens. I had a nephew working out in Vegas and he, you know, as while he was between jobs, he went ahead and took a construction job. And while they were out digging the foundation of the building, um, they found a body and they, they were pretty sure it was a mafia hit and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lots of holes in the body. If you get my drift and they went ahead and covered it back up and the foreman said, get it covered. <clears throat> if I cover the health department, call the health department and the, um, the, the, uh, zoning, we're going to be on hold for six months checking out this murder from the 19, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s. And right. he goes, forget it. Just cover it back up. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, they should have just pulled it out and said, oh, here's a body we found right near here and get it away from the actual uh, digging. But they don't. They cover it back up. I mean, I think that happens a lot more. I mean, you could certainly use ground penetrating radar. Um, you know, they, they did that with locating, uh, Richard the third, I believe, um, in England, it was a parking lot and a woman kept saying, I bet you 10 bucks. He's right here because this matches all the measurements, uh, the former foundation of the building. And so your acquaintance is absolutely right. Are they going to, are they going to actually take action? Um, if you've got ground penetrating radar, it's worth a shot. I mean, would your police office follow up on something like that? Or would they just say, well, it's a 50-50 shot. I don't know if the, the taxes are going to pay for that. Yeah, from, from our locations and from where I work, yeah, they wouldn't have anything like that. Unless it was something big like the David Cam trial, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. that was big uh, years ago. That was tried several times, but. Uh, now, other states with bigger departments, yes, they would probably look into stuff like that and have resources and volunteers with technology that would come out and help. Absolutely. I do. I really do think, you know, your your acquaintance talking about a haunting where a ghost comes out and says, I'm located here. Um, I, I do think that that does happen. It has happened to me. Um, of course, mine happens on various levels. For example, Kaylee Anthony coming to me after I had the teddy bear. Oh, I'm right here. Um, I had already told him where she was. But w- then when the spirit of the individual comes to me and tells me, oh, I'm right here, um, you know, ditto, um, it, 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 I pushed it even harder. I became more aggressive and more assertive on demanding they check, 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 check. Prior to that, I mentioned it and mentioned it and mentioned it. And the guys that I was working with just didn't seem to want to move on it. And again, live and learn. Your failures will teach you what to do and what not to do. So that's what I I thought. Oh, let's talk about the A through Z on working with families and cops and team members. Right. And ladies and gentlemen, just to let you know, you know, Working with psychics and mediums with local law enforcement and FBI, it's not like what you see on TV. 
they are very reluctant to even use them or even be associated with them. So just information to throw out there. And I think Jeanette can actually uh, elaborate on that as well. I Absolutely. I, I would say that most of the time they don't want to use us. Um, I made a phone call on one of the cases on TV recently um, and called a reporter who worked with um, another police consultant. And I said, hey, if they can't figure it out, please let me know. But I think they got it through the DNA. And she said, I'll tell him when I run into him. And um, she didn't get, I said, but, but I said, if he said that they got this, then forget it. No worries. I don't want to, I don't want to put myself in on a mess because it, it, people view us, meaning the psychics or people that have, you know, unusual talent as a circus, you know, right. um, and, and sometimes they are respectful. Sometimes they are not, you know. Right. I mean, can you imagine me being up on stand and be like, yes, the psychic gave me directions to locate the body that's been missing for over a month? I mean, how will that hold up in, in court, you know? Yeah, that is a problem. Um, Yeah, and I was told that several times. And when I hear these psychics saying, oh, they paid me, because a couple of people say, oh, yeah, they paid me. Most of the time, the FBI does not pay. Um, if they did pay somebody, consider yourself lucky. Um, and you know, you can, it, it could be an old cold case that they will do anything to reach for the stars and want to solve it. So why not give it a, give it a try. But if you, <clears throat> they may say, oh, well, we're not going to pay you till we find the body. And that can happen too. Um, when I work with, you know, parents, I always say, listen, um, and sometimes the relatives are paying for the, the uh, victim. I just did a case recently where the cousin paid, paid for the services because she said, we can afford it. I just need the help. What do you think? And I had to, you know, yeah. suck it up and tell him I thought the child was deceased and that the <clears throat> perpetrator was a, um, a truck driver or drove a truck. And I, again, I told people in a previous um, interview we had that be careful because I, I, at the time I had had some uh, anesthesia for, uh, you know, procedure. And I think I'd gotten a little messed up from it. And um, I couldn't see all the details that were on the truck, but I kept seeing them driving different trucks. So stupid me, I should have said, hold on, let me see what's on the truck. Let me look around. And had I looked around a little better using like a 360 remote viewing, I probably would have seen certain things on the truck that could identify the killer. Um, for example, let's say <clears throat> the killer was the postman. I could say, oh, it was the postman. Well, you know, the postman comes every day at that time, most of the time. And they could say, let's go back and see if there's a connection or a link. And um, I guess that's my frustration is, is uh, when I'm sick, typically I'm really, really good. Um, and I think that's because I'm more relaxed. Uh, I, I don't know about cops though. I mean, from your aspect of uh, your, your side of the story, uh, are, are most cops good on their work regarding the timeline or information? I mean, you guys are doing hours that are so excessive. I mean, oh, 36 hours, 40 hours. I took a nap in the office for an hour. Um, it, it's only as good as the information that's provided and the facts that's actually given to us. That's mm -hmm. what we have to go by. 
<clears throat> so if we don't have right. any information, we have to go back and look at everything as a totality and look mm-hmm. at the scene and get information and so forth. So that's that's what makes it hard, you know. Right. Yeah. See, you guys are a lot different than us because I have my cheat sheet, which I talk to people about the who, what, when, where, how. And I normally say, okay, here's the victim's name. Here's the address where the victim was missing from. What was the date? You know, who were at the house, you know, relatives and stuff. It strengthens the energy level of the information given to the psychic. And then that's all I really need to know. And then I say, where was she? Let's say just she was, where was she seen last? So let's say the person was at their house and then went to McDonald's. So you got point A and point B, and then you got to figure out point C. Um, I had a case one time where the guy moved the body five times and we had told the, um, we were working for the government at the time. And I said, he's a serial killer and eventually he's going to turn himself in. And we worked on a, an energy, um, uh, it's more of a a psychic force, uh, psychic tendency to do a sort of a healing on the person that's really mentally ill and get them to turn themselves in. And within, I don't know, I think it was about five days, he turned himself in and said he thought he had killed some people. And it turns out his DNA matched killing of five young girls who were jogging. Um, and, you know, when you think that they're mentally ill, there's there's all sorts of odd things. It could be an attachment. It, well, you know how it is. You know, they say evil is attached to him and that kind of thing. He didn't remember anything according to his terminology he said, I just woke up and felt like I killed somebody. But it could be he was bipolar. It could be he was schizophrenic. It could be any number of things. But he did turn himself in. And it. we had actually predicted that that was what was going to happen. And when, when he was interviewed in Leesburg, which is where he turned himself into the courthouse, they were just thrilled to death because they got some kind of unusual person off the street. I mean, he was killing... I, I hate to say this, young girls that, that just started their life and all of them were, I don't think, I think, I think four out of five were white and one was black and all of them got attention because they all matched the DNA. And then finally, when he turned himself in, the DNA was a match, just like this other Idaho case where the suspect is, is in for the DNA. <clears throat> um, on that particular one, there was lots of DNA, but we didn't deal with the Ancestry.com or the computers and so forth. You guys had to do boots on the ground, right? Right. Now, we do have a so, question. I mean, how many cops did mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I mean, you guys, how many guys worked as a team member to try to solve a homicide when you were younger? I mean, was it five guys, 20 guys, 30 guys? Or it actually depends on the case. You know, when I was younger, you know, Mm -hmm. even where I grew up, even our police department, you know, we had the county, we had the city, we also had the state police. Uh, Usually it was all three organizations. Uh, I have a question here. It says, so in this case, where remote viewing is used more or like a telepathic communication sort of thing is the question. Is that what you use or? I use everything. So on the case with the, yeah, on the case with the guy in Leesburg, Virginia, that was, um, 
uh, we had just decided there was too many girls. I said, I think we have at least five girls. They, you know, we didn't know all the details because we were working with the government at the time. When I say the government, somebody knew a senator high up and they had come to us and asked us to help locate the killer. So I, you know, gave a lot of detail. My father and I were working as a team uh, to uh, pinpoint where the guy was located. And then we realized there was some kind of mental illness. So um, we used remote viewing for the girls and I saw jogging paths. But I saw jogging path and unique, um, what, what, you know, everything had moved. So when a picture stays the same, that means to me the victim is still at the same location. If the picture changes several times, it means the body has been moved. And I can explain that with another remote viewing case. Um, I'm sure you guys uh, the, on the cop level, um, you know, if they've been moved several times, it could be in the city one moment, in the country another minute you know, um, in another uh, county, which would drive you nuts. <clears throat> and But the DNA and piecemealing it together is going to be tough because all you guys have to get together, sit down and chit chat, and you're consuming more police time. And I think that's where most of the murders or the murderers or serial killers got smart is when they start crossing state lines. I yeah. think it's where it's got harder to trace them and track them, <laughs> especially right. in different states. Because it's easier to track murders in one location or geographic area. Area, excuse uh -huh. me. Yeah. You know, uh, but when you go to multi-states, I guess it fizzles out. And unless one state connects it to another state, or unless you can catch one in the act, and he or she confesses to others, then then you have the trickle-down effect. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys, uh, you, you remember when Bundy came out. And let's go back to this guy's question. So did I use um, remote viewing? Back then, oh, I didn't call it remote viewing. I knew about remote viewing, but back then, I just used my visions, and they come in, uh, according to postcard. Um, his other question was what using my dream work or telepathically talking to telepathic the, communication sort of thing. Right. So you could be telepathic and communicate with the killer, or you could be telepathic and talk to the victim. And I've done both and been successful on it. And then other times the victim, the victim tends to be on the, on the money, the killer, every killer is different because it could be, you know, a heroin addict, an alcoholic, um, meth-induced is really a bear. Um, typically, if it's a meth case <clears throat> where the victim is uh, murdered, a lot of times, I hate to be gross, the people get just, you know, chopped up. And, you know, they throw the body um, like 20 different places. They throw their personal belongings 23, you know, different places. Um, and I've worked on cases several cases like that. I worked on one a few years ago, Washington State, and the, the clients called me from a house, and I said, where are you? And they go, oh, we're at so-and-so's house. He's going to help us out. I said, please get the F out of there. That guy is involved. He's heavily involved with all the drug dealers, and he knows the details, yes, but you being there could get you killed. And so they wrapped it up, and they left, and they said, you know, we were there, and we felt so awkward and again i say it's energy 
So it could be telepathy. It could be the remote viewing. But these people were just sitting there with an energy of, I don't want to say evil totally. You're not comfortable with a negative atmosphere. And so it was a husband, a wife, and the sister, the wife's sister was missing. And it was actually her twin. Now, the only thing good about that is that the twin that went missing did not look like her sister. And that would be creepy if she looked, they were too identical because, oh my God, she might get killed again, you know? Um, right. I, it, it was a smaller town, but then the, the city police got involved and then the county police got involved and the state police got involved. Why? Because it was a large scale drug dealer. And I, you know, I got to tell you, and I hate to say this to the ladies, but don't have arguments with these drug dealers. Just leave. Shut your pie hole and leave the environment. Walk away. Move away. And then if you want to say something anonymously, great. But a lot of these girls get in a room and think they're going to have a fight and win the fight with a drug dealer. It's not going to turn out good. <laughs> no, it never does, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, all these women keep thinking, I could do it. I could take care of myself. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> um, men, uh, it's known men are stronger, period. Wake up. I, I get really tired of hearing this. Oh, no, I'm, you know, I have relatives that say, yes, I can. Uh, it's just, it gets old. That's statement. Yes, I can. Uh, right. no, right. I don't care if you're six foot tall and the other guy's six foot tall, he's still going to be stronger than you as a female. Right. Here's another question, too. It says, when tracking an individual, are you just told about the person? Or are you given an object belonging to them or the victim to get a connection? All right. So we'll, we'll use the um, Chandra Levy case, which a lot of people did not know I was behind the scenes. Um, so <clears throat> on the Chandra Levy case, the federal agent came in. The community leader came in. We sat down. I got photographs. And I got my, uh, I put together my little protocol, who, what, when, where, how. I think she'd been missing for about two years. Don't quote me. I'm just guesstimating. And <clears throat> he gave me several pictures that the public did not have. And he said, what do you think? And the first thing I picked up on that one, and it had nothing to do with telepathy. It had nothing to do with remote viewing really because I was getting visions. Now, again, the new term today is remote viewing. So I said, well, um, I can identify the place she's in. She's in um, the DC park. And he was like, what? I said, yeah, he's in the DC park. And she's right, you know, like a hundred feet from the horses. I said, is there a DC cop horse um, farm? Uh, right there in, in D.C. Because I didn't think there was. I said, I know there's a park further over in Rock Creek Parkway. But I said, I see horses. You know how you smell horses and that kind of thing? Right. And because I have this really weird synesthesia, which I think you have too, is, you know, we're called nosy people. But in reality, we can't help it. Our brain turns on in certain areas. We're called crazy. You know, our brain is turned on more than other people. And um, it, it's a different kind of brain level. And um, I could actually smell the manure from the horses almost as if it was a link. I did not have any of her clothing uh, for Chandra. I had a picture of her. Again, it was a picture that the, pre you know, the press didn't have. The link I had was the federal agent. And I said, go down to the horses, 
walk directly in this direction, which was, I said, walk, um, I'm pretty sure I said east. And if I'm wrong, it's north, north or north, northeast. Walk down to the creek bed and she's right there. You can't miss her. Now, pers personally, there might have been a road on the other side. So just think of it this way. A river has a river or creek because sometimes it turned, it would flood. Rock Creek Parkway would flood and it would be so thin. It would be a very thin uh, one foot deep creek. So they called it Rock Creek Parkway. But then when it flooded, I mean, you, it would be up to your knees or thighs. And right. so, so, and you know, you know how this is, things change. So I did not use the, you know, go ahead and call it remote viewing if you like, but with Chandra, <clears throat> um, we take her picture, we have her name, we have her former address, and that was just point A. And I immediately, I went to Rock Creek Parkway. I didn't, I didn't focus on anything else. I divided up the case as where is she now? What's her final spot right now? And so that's what I, that on that one, it came through right away. But I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to say this to you and ask you directly, if you're an open cop or an open book and willing to hear what a psychic says, what are you going to do? Are you going to listen and say, let's check it out? I'm not arrogant. I will always listen to anything, regardless how hideous it may sound. <laughs> or how far stretch it may be out there in the left or right field. Yeah. You know, uh, how I would articulate that in paperwork, I have no idea. I'll probably let the head prosecutor figure that out. Yeah. No, I would always listen. Absolutely. Well, I, don't, I, I don't mind staying in the background. A lot of people don't know all the cases I worked on. I mean, they're, they're, you know, people will call and say, how many did you work on? I mean, you know, it, it's, I was correct on over 30, but I don't really care. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I know I can do it. I know I'm accurate. I know I can use all these talents from remote viewing to touching a picture, touching an item. On the Kaylee Anthony case, I had her teddy bear directly shipped from the grandmother to the um, former federal agent. Then it got mailed to me and I put it by my bedside. Now I did do a more of a uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, more of a incubation or dream incubation to get the information. And it matched mm -hmm. what I saw in June. So the pictures hadn't changed. Um, I, I'm sure the same thing happens to you. Uh, so, so I had an item to touch. I'm sure the same thing <clears throat> happens with you as a cop. You have the same witnesses, then you might have a new list. I mean, how does it work with you guys? Do you have, oh, here's a list of idiots. Here's a, a list of, you know, wanting attention. Here's a list of suspects. How do they divide it up? I, you just have to go through there and eliminate, you know, through the process of each one, uh -huh. Uh -huh. you know, and, and then all the information that leads you come through or get in, you have to weed the weed through them through the process. So, you know, but when you're talking bigger cities and bigger states and bigger agencies, you know, they got the manpower, the resources, and usually they're working on a whole lot more bigger cases than what I ever worked on or my departments, you know. Usually when oh, yeah. my department hit a, hit a murder case, it uh, made the news for quite some time, and it's very, very rare when our agencies actually got involved in something like that. It was a rare occasion. Uh, the well, Facebook were... user uh, said, sorry, this is a subject that greatly fascinates me, and I believe my son has a gift. 
as far as uh, communications with those that I have departed based on things he said to me. When seeing your visions, do they just come randomly and hit you? Or is as a vivid trance-like state? Personally, I had chemically induced visions and premonitions. My son, on the other hand, has visions or communications and dreams, but had a friend that would just randomly get a vision sometimes from touching things or passing a physical place, and she could tell you detailed what happened. Right. So, all right. So we're addressing several things, just like a cop would. So on the standpoint of a, a psychic, when you touch items, that's called psychometry. And so on the Kaylee Anthony case, there was psychometry. But on the on the um, Chandra Levy case, I had her picture, which also emanates supposedly energy. And I don't know why they're getting, uh, the government is, is fully aware of the fact that, you know, we're humans, we have an electric field, we have an aura. Um, they're fully aware of all this. You know, they, they, they don't say all the details and that's not why they scoop us away from the court case <clears throat> and say, oh, you know, it's a circus. We don't want anything to do with this. They just want to do the facts. Oh, we, you know, we, we, I'm in the category of unexplained. Paranormal is unexplained science. That's exactly what the definition is. So let's go with each, break down everything we're talking about. So you have the remote viewing, which is the same thing as visions. You do the psychometry, which is touching. You can touch a picture. I also do what's called um, dream, dream incubation. So let's say you have a dream and that's without incubating it. Now, incubating it is planning it, creating um, a, a, a plan on a sheet of paper to get specific information. And I'll give you a couple of examples uh, on how I did, did that kind of thing with you know major predictions. Um, for example, this guy said he, he does chemical induced. Okay, so let's say he does pot. Well, of course, it's a known fact, the more you're relaxed, whether you're having booze or a lot of water in your system, or pot in your system. <laughs> um, I, I got to laugh about it. I don't do pot, but if you did, <laughs> you know, you're going to have an increased, um, and, and this goes with energy, high rapid response of uh, psychic visions or remote viewing. I mean, that's a, that's a known fact. I mean, the government did experiments with this kind of stuff. And so did the Edgar Casey Foundation. So this isn't anything new. All right. Now he has a son who does it without chemical inducement, yada, yada, which is great. But you can also do what I call dream, dream incubation. So let's say I'm working on a case like the one in North Carolina, because I was really interested in the North Carolina case. It was a little girl, age 11 with brown hair. She was uh, white. Now, I don't care about what race a person is, um, just so they're nice to me. So, um, so what I do is I take a glass of water and put it by my bed. I put a picture, a printout from the computer of the person. And a lot of people are naive that if you add to your case and put it by your bed, when I say a picture, that's an energy. If you have an item you can touch, that's an energy. Um, it's a known fact that, and even in quantum physics, that colors are uh, come in a, a speedy, it's like a light. A light, <clears throat> a light speed. And you can actually, you know, think of this way. You got a person who's a redhead. I believe redheads, the colors come faster. Certain colors come faster to you. Um, 
I'm not a scientist, so I, I can only tell you my layman terms of how I do it. But so I put on a picture, I put on a glass of water and I write down on another piece of paper, show me, show me, show me um, what, uh, where this girl is located. Now, what I do is sh I say on the next question, show me, show me, show me what street she's on. Show me the street sign. Show me the landmarks of the buildings around the body. Is the body in the water? That's the next one. Is the body on earth? So I break it down. And I mean, we're all different. I think cops do the same thing. Don't you call people when people call you up and they're a witness and you say, well, give us some details. And, and if they don't answer, you say, is she on the water? Is she in the water or is she on land? Do you, don't you break it down that way? Sort of. Mm -hmm. Sure do. Okay. So, um, but a psychic doesn't need all the details the cops have because basically we're going to cut to the chase. So let's say I'm looking at my green lamp right now. Okay. My green lamp is it's a, it's a, not a Kelly green, it's a lighter green. So that's a color that I'm describing. My lamp shade is like a light cream yellow and the base is black. So I'm giving you some specifics. Oh, it's tall. So I'm saying, so compared to a human, I'm saying, oh, let's see the, the, the footage is, is <clears throat> black. Um, the lamp is about 20, 20 inches. And um, the pole that puts the lampshade on it is about five the lampshade is about 10 or 12 inches so it, it's a good two two and a half foot three foot i'll say three foot lamp and and all these details are an energy and people people have always said i mean if you want to look up some training i mean it's expensive to go to yuri geller u-r-i-g-e-l-l-e-r -E um his classes are expensive there's also <clears throat> There's also uh, books by Yuri Geller that are very good, and he talks about energy. Um, he has a couple of books that are really good that are like 10 bucks or 20 bucks a piece. And each chapter covers a variety of things from psychic development to psychometry to energy. And I, I think people are naive. You have your dream ability. You have a multi-talented um, access to your brain to turn the switch and say, what do I need to either solve this or to help with uh, getting it solved, getting the case solved? I, I, I know I'm going all over the place, but I just want people to know that we are an energy. You know, we have electromagnetic waves around our body. We have colors coming into our brain. Some come at a higher speed than others. That's a known fact. And um, if you study all of this, it makes you a better psychic or intuitive, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, regarding his kid, read, read, and read. That's all I can say. When I was young, and I'm sure cops do the same thing, I would read up on people like Yuri Geller. So I read a bunch of his material. I read articles about him. Um, I read articles about my dad, who's pretty famous. I read articles about um, Ingo Swan. I you know, read bits and pieces of his books. But the problem with Ingo Swan books where they're, they're not just laymen, they're very scientific. So it was a little hard to digest because you have to, you know, it's, it's a longer read. It's, it's, um, it's a mouthful. Every sentence is a mouthful. Um, I also read um, books from cops and their opinion about psychics and their perceptions about psychics. Um, I was frequently called an eccentric, which I don't act like I'm eccentric at all. I don't think. Um, but I was still labeled, you know, an anomaly. I was also labeled, you know, um, s several things, you know, 
part of a circus, whatever. I mean, I, I dress normal. I don't have purple hair. I, I prefer not to, you know, I'm not chemically induced. If somebody else wants to be chemically induced, so be it. Doesn't bother me. Well, they were referring to, and they clarified it. They said uh, herbal teas personally. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Herbal teas are very relaxing. Again, the herbal teas are known to relax your brain and your mind and your body. And, um, oh, yeah, I get high off of chamomile. Yeah. Heck, yeah. That's good stuff. Um, so you, you clarified it. Clarified it. Thank you. But, yeah, that stuff is very, very good. Um, I don't know if there's an herbal tea that can induce... Uh, psychic ability, but there might be one out there through a Dr. Bach. I mean, the guy was amazing. Um, and it's, I think it's B-A-C-H out of California. He, he sells um, all sorts of uh, flower um, essentials or flower scents, and, and you put them in your tea and it, it makes you feel better from a sore throat to ear infection to whatever. But yeah, herbal tea is awesome. Is this a is this a male parent calling or, or texting or a, a, a male that I don't know. And it also says children are more susceptible because they are more closer to the spirit realm. In my opinion, that the world hasn't corrupted them. So, at what point in life, at what age did you recognize your gift? Is it something you can turn on and off? Do you constantly get messages or is it just when you're focusing on it? I apologize for asking so many questions. By the way, you're just grabbed my attention. No, it's not a problem. That's what we're here for. Oh, yeah. Ask. Ask away. Yeah, so, um, Yeah. So um, I had some really strange uh, circumstances happen to me early on in early childhood Um five, six, seven, only because my father was a very famous paranormal person. He did not do ghost investigations, which I love. And I pick Grizzly's brain on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and if it's not that, I'm still very interested in um, Bigfoot and the anomalies out there, um, the crypto stuff. But mine started out basically, <clears throat> and, I, and I, the only reason I know this is, I must have been one year old, and I remember being breastfed by my mother. And I remember saying to myself, where am I and what am I doing here? I'm with the wrong family. I don't belong here. And it was almost as if I came from heaven and, you know, that I can't be precise enough for you. I came from heaven and I was in this family <clears throat> and I was like one and I looked through the window and I was like, well, I, this isn't the right family. <laughs> and I remember being shown pictures of what I would look like when I was 27. And they said, your whole life will change when you're 27. And I thought, okay. And they said that to me again, when I had um, an accident <clears throat> at seven and near death at seven. And, um, I mean, I had four near deaths, but each and every circumstance that has happened to me has been an add on to my psychic ability. Do I think some of us have a stronger ability? Yes. But I think we're open to it. It's like, uh, Grizzly, I mean, name at least five types of training you've had as a cop. Each one opened the door to your, <clears throat> your door of education 
made you a better cop. So tell, share with our, our audience what kind of <clears throat> training you had in the different areas. Oh, interview interrogations. Uh, we had that with the ATF, the FBI, Homeland Security, uh, several other branches, uh, whether it was civil or private. Uh, we had our continuing ed, whether it was law, uh, new law certs, uh, precious metals. Uh, one of the ones I adored uh, really helped us out is when we start focusing on uh, people with uh, handicap and disabilities, such as autism. Uh, that was really good for law enforcement uh, uh -huh. because that was really hitting home because a lot of law enforcement didn't know how to handle people with abilities, uh, with autisms or, you know, people that had handicapped disabilities, uh, especially in a crisis, you know, mode. Uh, a lot of us handled it the wrong way and made things worse. Uh, really did. Physical oh, yeah. tactics I mean, is another yeah. one that I always adored. Which one? Uh, physical, uh, hands-on training to protect yourself and and uh, self-defense. We called it uh, physical tactics. Yeah, I think I think all women should take those kind of classes. Um, I'll just say this: <clears throat> when I grew up, one one of the classes they taught us in high school was to always carry a five dollar bill or like a roll of coins with you, <clears throat> even if you can carry two rolls. One, if somebody comes towards you and you, you feel really insecure and uncomfortable, throw that $5 bill out. <laughs> They'll go for the $5 bill. And then another thing is if you have a roll of coins in your pocket, you could grab the roll of coins, put them in your fist, and your hit would be harder. Um, but it was very, that was, that was way back when <laughs> they didn't teach us a lot of, uh, self-protection like you guys get uh, oh yeah it's it's totally changed <laughs> totally i mean you guys probably had to beat the hell out of each other just to say this is what you have to do to protect yourself expect anything right well and sometimes we had to tell each other hey don't hurt me okay <laughs> now put now now you can go ahead and put some pressure on us or put put pressure on me but don't don't break my arms don't break a rib you know don't bruise me up sometimes you know you you get involved and you don't realize what you're doing until you've done it you know and you got somebody on the ground or you're you know doing an arm takedown or an arm bar or doing you know a jiu-jitsu move or something yeah well, it's and no before different. you know it you're yeah. full-fledged involved right well you, so, so you guys are more go ahead i i think it, i think it's very interesting that you guys are involved in not just the mental part, but you're also involved in special tactics, which is dealing with the autistic. And then you're also involved in the physical. Now see psychics, we have no training in physical unless we decide to reach out and do that kind of thing. <clears throat> and typically some psychic is not gonna go make a phone call and say, hey, do you have a self-defense class? It's very rare. I can, I can bet you, a hundred psychics will say, no, I don't have that class. They, they won't, they'll, they'll say, no, I didn't reach out. I, at least a hundred are going to say it right away. You interview each and every one and do your research and not a single one are going to say, yeah, I took that class unless they're a former cop, maybe. Well, and I recommend to a lot of people that are listening or it's going to be listening later is check with your local law enforcement agencies around in your area. 
sometimes uh, the law enforcement certified academy trainer that does physical tactics, sometimes they actually have classes that they put on once a week or once monthly or sometimes in the area that they offer free to the civilians or you know active or first responders so or family of first responders so keep right. that so, in mind as well <clears throat> right so we're just covering all the things you need to cover that if you're a psychic or you have psychic ability or your kid has psychic ability look at all your avenues because if you're only doing the mental part i really do think you need to get into the physical part from yoga to self-defense now why would i say yoga and self-defense well the more you know about the human body and the reactions the more you can handle true crime um i'm not going to lie to you true crime is very ugly i tell everybody if you're going to get into it you're going to see some real grossness at first you're going to go on the emotions okay she was really upset here's a term she was really upset she was crying she was you know being stabbed blah blah okay that is really stupid the emotions do not matter just the facts are a she was stabbed so b we're looking for evidence from a knife or a sheath or was it a knife out of the kitchen or <clears throat> was the person a hunter or a, a fisherman who carried their own knife i mean there's so many very you know various techniques you can use to develop your skills but but i don't want to go on and on i just tell people the earliest one i had was like age one ish but that was not a near death that was just simply I don't want to call it an epiphany. I was just basically aware that I did not belong in my family. And I'm not, I don't want to say I'm the odd one out, but my family members used to always say, Jeanette's the nice one. And my family members, I, some of them bullied me. Some of them still bully me. It is what it is. Um, I am a twin. Um, not that that makes a difference. I do remember picking to be with this family, but it didn't feel like it was the right family. Now, what is that about? after my near-death experiences uh, supposedly you get to pick your family and then you have to pick your right decisions and your right choices and then some people will just continue i have a sibling she keeps picking the wrong guys and the wrong guys and the wrong guys and the wrong guys i mean we're all different you have to be good to yourself and pick make the right choice make a plan and life will turn out great you some people say oh i never get a break that's not true you can't keep saying that you have to say i'm gonna get a break i'm gonna get some great things happening to me um you i do think the psychic ability is a plan it's a it's a building into your brain and functioning i hope that helps a little bit yeah i think it does now I mean, ladies and gentlemen just to let you know our shows are going to be mondays and fridays at 6 p.m eastern times and uh, some of the shows may be kind of graphic, just to let you uh, give you a heads up. Uh, some of the content will be mature uh, content because we're dealing with, you know, cases and so forth. And uh, so what do we have on our radar for uh, our some of our shows coming up? So the good news is um, we do have uh, some of my clients or team members, and I want to break that down for people in a minute. But one of my team members worked on a case for me with boots on the ground. And what he did <clears throat> is, I got to grab my phone charger. Sorry, folks. What he did was he um, he actually was in Daytona and <clears throat> he actually went to meet the family and 
their daughter was the victim of a homicide. And he met with them and forced the cops to follow up on the information that I gave. And they actually went out and did a search and recovery. And when they were out in the field, the FBI came out and got the cops and said, look, you can't keep looking for her remains. And hold on. <coughs> Sorry. Um, the, the reason being is I told him there were two bodies there. And apparently the second body was killed by a serial killer. And the feds were watching the location to see if the serial killer was coming back to look at his victim. So it was pretty intense, complicated. And so Jim is willing to come out and talk about what he did for the family. And they were very grateful that he helped um, push a lot of information through. There was no prosecution. The girl was supposedly killed by a police officer. Again, they had a fight. <clears throat> and whether, I, I don't believe it was accidental. It was one of those where she had a big mouth and she was going to turn on him. And, you know, if it's something like that, you need to leave town. <laughs> Because why risk your life? Um, so uh, he's going to discuss that particular case. And then he's going to come in another, if there's time, we'll have time to talk about the Holly, Holly Bobo case, which was in Tennessee, uh, Paris, Tennessee. Um, so he is going to talk about what happened to him as a team member. And when I say team member, he's not a psychic. He's just a guy who cares about the community he's in. Uh, he was living in, I think, Spring Hill or Spring something, Springfield, Tennessee. And the Holly Bobo case was in Paris, Tennessee. In Florida, he was living in Daytona, and the case was about an hour from his house. So he decided to go be the boots on the ground. Now, just changing gears here, we are going to do a part one and a part two, possibly a part three with Jim, about, again, the good, bad, and ugly of working with families and cops and what transpired. Because if you want to get involved and you want to help your community, um, that's great, but you do have to show your driver's license. I mean, literally, sometimes they'll ask for other details like your home address. I mean, all sorts of stuff um, to make sure that you're on the list from the good guy versus the bad guy of, oh, hey, I just killed Jack and I'm just coming to help you find Jack so I could get away with it. <clears throat> but anyway, what I want to say, I hope that makes sense. But basically, the cops need your need your ID to to eliminate you from being on the suspect list. Um, so Jim uh, worked on several cases with me. We met accidentally um, prior to, I think it was after, I think it was after the Kaylee Anthony case, <clears throat> but um, we got along really good. We've kept in touch for years. And um, again, he's gonna talk about boots on the ground. Um, but somebody did call me, uh, a, a radio person, they called and they said, so tell me about your team. So I don't want people to think I go out and reach out and ask other psychics to work casework for me, meaning they solve it and I take the credit. That's not how it works. I've had people call me, uh, let's call it Sheila. That's not the name, but Sheila called me and said, hey, there's a missing guy here. Can you tell me about it? And I'll go get the cops and we'll get on the phone with you and try to find him. And I said, yeah, sure. I said, go look over here. He's over here, blah, blah, blah. Well, Sheila ran with it and said she was a psychic and, you know, let's go find the body and blah, blah. Cops never called me. The Sheila girl lied. So you've got to be a little careful with who you interact with. Um, on the Jim scenario, he is going to talk to you about working with the cops, working with the family, uh, working with the um, search and recovery, because 
on his particular side of the story, he um, only did recovery. Recovery meaning we knew we had a homicide. Um, but I just, again, I want to clarify that if I had to bring another psychic or two, I would bring them in and I would be involved on the team. I'm working on a case out in Seattle. It's really been a very challenging case. And I did bring in another uh, psychic on that one. And um, it's been quite challenging. Um, we did work. Uh, I just recently did a case in Texas. And um, I did bring in a second psychic. And the only reason I did is um, it, it, it was a complicated case. And I just thought, you know what? I, I've got a lot going on in my home life. And I, I don't want to screw this up. So um, she and I both said the same thing. Um, I try not to know anything about the what the other psychic says, and I don't pick psychics randomly. So I just wanted people to know that I'm working with Angela Ford, who worked on Stargate. So that gives you a, a, an idea of what's coming up. We're, we're going to be working with Jim and talking to Jim and interviewing Jim, uh, part one, two, and three. And then we'll be bringing on another psychic, uh, probably Angela Ford, and talk to her about her work with the federal government. Um, and seeing my dad down the hall at the, um, there's a CIA office and a DOD, Department of Defense office um, up in Maryland where the psychics worked on Stargate and other federal agency offices, one in Arlington, Virginia. Um, so what does that mean? Um, I'm dealing with more highly experienced, um, highly trained people and so that's why I don't just take somebody off the road. Um, it's, it's, it's challenging. But we are going to be sharing with you some, some great casework. And we're going to be picking um, Grizzly's brain about how would he react, how would his buddies react. And certainly he can call his buddies and say, hey, this is what they said. This is what they think. Um, so does that help a little bit there? And Grizzly, are, are, I guess you're going to be the co-host on this one too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I can't wait. Uh, we're just kicking off the show. We're just getting started, getting wound up and getting things going. So I think there was uh, a lot. Of how does people get a hold of you? Well, people can call me, um, 571-358-1444. 571-358-1444. Um, I mean, for example, I had a phone call this morning regarding a, oh, I was going to tell you about this, Grizzly. Um, it was a man who went to work. Somebody apparently had been watching his house. They knew his schedule. They broke down his door after he went to work and stole his dog. Uh-oh. Who does that? <laughs> that is so weird. Wow. A question. If you were to give advice on practices to exercise abilities, what would they be? What sort of activities would you recommend? I, would it I, be something as simple as which hand is the coin in? Or would it be some sort of advice from hide and seek? Well, regarding remote viewing, I would tell people, go hire Angela Ford. She's cheap. She's very inexpensive. I mean, she could be 100 an hour for training, but you're getting training from an expert. Regarding any kind of cop training, you could talk to Grizzly. Regarding investigation uh, techniques, talk to Grizzly. Um, Grizzly probably has the right friend, depending on what you want to do. Um, I would tell you, go talk to some photographers if you want to get into photography for investigations for ghost work or true crime. Um, <clears throat> 
Regarding my work, I always tell people start off from reading about some of your favorite psychics. Um, I've got the good, bad, and ugly on the internet about me. People saying I took them for five grand. And here's the laughable part. Uh, they paid me 500. I'm still waiting on that check for the other 4,500. So, <laughs> <laughs> so people are saying nasty stuff about me. Um, you know, people, uh, again, I'm sometimes I'm behind the scenes, so you don't know everything about, but, um, and not, not because I didn't want to be out there. I had family and I didn't want them being subjected to, to, to garbage. Um, I would also look up, and I know this sounds a little odd, is the Edgar Casey Casey Foundation. Um, Edgar Casey did a lot of dream work. Um, I think I would look at what Edgar Casey has to offer in the way of dreams. Um, one of my favorite books when I first started out um, as a full-time psychic was I grabbed a book by the name of uh, Gustav Heindman. And um, he, I think he was a PhD, and it's Gustav. And it's it's G-U-S-T-A-B-U-S or something. And it's Hindman, H-I-N-D-M-A-N, H-I-N-D-M-A-N. And it's Hindman, and the last name is Miller, Gustav Hindman Miller. And he was a German, um, I guess, doctor who dabbled in psychology, sociology, etc. And he said he noticed when we dreams that we had dreams that included symbols. And that's what I started out with because I would get symbols. And so I would say, oh, okay, so um, I'm gonna take a symbol. Let's say I dream about a cat. Well, think about a cat. If it's a happy cat, it means I'm dealing with a man or a woman that's happy. And if I pet it and it's still happy, then the, the relationship is good. If it's a mean cat scratching me, it means that person, um, even though they're loving one minute, they could be mean the next minute. So. I read up on the on the meaning of symbology, which was super cool. I read up about Edgar Casey. Um, the only thing I didn't like sometimes about the Edgar Casey groups, and I have spoken for Edgar Casey's groups, um, was that some people got a little bit into a bit of delusional uh, approaches with their work, and their ego got involved. Don't put your ego in there. Um, if you are excellent on your casework. Be proud of yourself. Be glorious about yourself. Um, but you don't have to say it to everybody. Just say, to my knowledge, my accuracy rate is high. Um, you can't say, oh, yeah, everything I do is accurate. That's not true. Nobody's totally accurate except for God. Um, and mm -hmm. so, so you got the symbol book. You got the dream book from Edgar Casey, And then you can develop your psychic skills. You want to do visions or remote viewing, call Angela Ford. Um, if you want to call me and get her number, I'll send you know, just call me and I'll give you her number. Um, if you have demonology type work, I send people to Heidi Hollis. I give you her email and you can contact her. She knows another psychic that works in that direction. Now I'm not going to fit to you. That psychic is 500 an hour. She's had several near deaths, but she's really good. I don't work in demonology. It doesn't interest me. I don't like it. And to be honest with you, it scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> Come on, Grizzly, do you have any kind of thing that you can't stand or don't like in this this paranormal field? Not yet. But <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. But ladies and gentlemen, I uh, hopefully you enjoyed the new show tonight. We're going to continue on. That was the world-renowned, famous Jeanette Locust. 
You can email us at grizzlytruecrimes at gmail.com. Once again, grizzlytruecrimes at gmail.com. We're always welcome comments, suggestions, topics. Contact us anytime. Janetta, is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodnight to everybody? No, welcome aboard for the next part one, including Jimmy from Florida. Absolutely. We're Friday just let you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're just getting started and just getting warmed up for the next shows coming for this year. So I hope everybody have a good night and talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. Until next time, from coast to coast and around the world, good night.